And I said, well, this too shall pass. What comes next to be greater? And she says, no, say it louder. And then, of course, I repeated it again. She goes, louder. I said, this too shall pass. And what comes next to be greater? Louder. This too shall pass. And what comes next wow. to be greater? And she's like, all right. Do you understand me now? I mean, she's like yelling at me. Do you understand me? You are not giving up. You are not going anywhere. I will come and beat your butt. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. A friend of mine asked me what the kindling fire was all about, and I explained it to him. And when I did, he said, you need to meet Stephen Scoggins. I have since met him. We have become friends, and he is the quintessential example of a man who is living alive and trying to impact the world in a positive way around him. He's an entrepreneur, author, speaker, life and business strategist, founder and CEO of The Journey Principles, and author of a book, The Journey Principles, and founder and CEO of Custom Home Exteriors. He's got an amazing story. I know you're going to love it. Uh, It's a two-part story, so you're going to hear the first part and the second part next week. I can't wait to get started, so let's go. I've owned and operated a successful construction company since 1998. Yeah. Um, I thought part of my testimony is the fact that I started it while I was homeless, and then it was an uphill battle and building my own tools, and you know, and and you know, the construction company is in multiple states and has a great team and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, so in 2014, I felt like it was I felt my spirit that God told me to write a book, and I'm like, Lord, I I I can't spell worth a flip. <laughs> um, my book would be one giant run-on sentence. And and then over the next course of months, um, he began giving me little short stories. So he would, he would ask, he would propose a question to me. And I'll be on an elliptical with my little headphones in, and I would pull my iPhone out, and I would start jotting down notes. I actually still I have my iPhone. I still have the notes where the book came from. So it goes to say, take your notes. Yeah. Um, but uh, when, when, that, when all that was shaken out, he'd give me these, these little short stories. Um, short stories, short questions. One of the ones I remember most vividly was one that says, what does it take to change the essence of a man? Mm, that is it. And it came out, you know, some of those, those ones just come out of the way, I'm like, uh, all right, what do you want to do with that one, you know? Sure. You know, so I started typing away, and another one was, uh, could Tigger be a Tigger without his stripes? Um, there was another one that no, was... No, wait a minute. Where are these questions coming from? I, I, I can only assume they're coming from the Holy Spirit okay, because okay. these are... I don't normally have random ponderings with... Yeah, with that, that one's random. Yeah. But I, <laughs> that, that I love it, though. Um, can Tigger be Tigger without his stripes? And the reality is he can't. Um, I actually drew Tigger without his stripes, and he doesn't like Tigger at all. <laughs> so sometimes the very things that define you are the very things that shook you. Amen. So going through that whole scenario, and of course, Preaching you know, to yourself. Oh man, you, you, you tell the truth, uh, and that's the thing is, you know, is I felt like when I, you know, when I in 2014 we released the book called The Journey Principles, which yeah. is my first book, which is 
it took a while to get there. From 2012 to 2014 was kind of the writing season. It was kind of me going back and forth with the short stories, with the bio of my life. Yeah. Um, Cause it kind of, I've been told my life reads like either like Joseph or Forrest Gump, depending <laughs> on which, uh, which, which level of faith you have. Unfortunately for you, I can say Joseph. So that's good. <laughs> um, Your story reminds me of Forrest Gump. Yeah. It's just a bunch of <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Craziness. And I've lived, uh, even now I feel like I've lived at least four different separate lives in this lifespan. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into that. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> fast forwarding a little bit. Uh, I remember when I, one of the couple of the edits of the, when the book came out, uh, I read through the book and I was excited because the original name of the book was going to be called the 12 laws of the underdog. And when I, when I was looking at it that way, I began reading the pages. I'm like, this is, Lord, this isn't you. This is all me. This is, this is just my story. There's, there's nothing in here about what you did hmm. for me, what you did, how you picked me up, where you carried me through, how you shook me, yeah. you know, how you prepared me, how you mentored me, how you um, ministered to me, yeah. um, all this kind of stuff. So uh, lo and behold, another a year goes by, and we finally have the Journey Principles book. Well, the book t- book does pretty well overall. Um, yeah. you, you know, most shot of the dark books, no one knows who you are. Yeah, yeah, sure. You might move a couple, couple, three hundred copies. Uh, yeah. With prison systems factored in, some other things, we we, we moved about three thousand copies total. Yeah, okay. You know, so that was great. I was like, oh, okay, oh, this is exciting. Um, then I had an opportunity to start speaking and stuff like that. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, in April of last year, it all left, and it caught me by surprise. I was. 12 hours from starting um, something called Transform You Live, which is something that was, and I was incredibly passionate. I spent the last two or three years building the curriculum, yeah. Yeah. you know, to help people change their lives because I find that you serve the person you once were, Yeah. you know, so that's kind of the reason you go through things. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, I, um, I kind of, uh, I got shook. I had some long-term people that had been with my company that I had running my other, my construction company. Yeah. Um, I took it upon themselves to, um, there's only so much I can say because there's an ongoing criminal investigation, but took it upon themselves to start a competitive company without telling me um, and proceeded to uh, do multiple things that I would not do to anybody in the marketplace even now. So I've been walking through this weird season since last April where... So I'm going I'm yeah. to put a timeout on that. Yeah. Because um, that's kind of where you and I have connected in yep. this weird season. Um and people are like, because I was going okay. through some crazy mess. Oh, wait, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I talked to Doug. He said you'd be good to talk to. Talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I come out of the blue. I'm just like, yeah. hey, you don't know me from Adam, and yeah. um, you know, and we were able to get on the phone. Hopefully that shows my heart. <laughs> no, it's great. It 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 uh it was awesome. And the reason I wanted to put a timeout on it is people are gonna be like, okay, that's like you're gonna go right into sort of this season, which yeah. I want to hear about, right? Sure. Like, but I want to hear about it a little bit later. Sure. And so so first off. Uh, Stephen Scoggins, uh, where did you come from? Right? <laughs> you know, let's just let's start at some basics. Yeah. So where, where did you Where did you come from? Ironically, I you know we're uh, we're off a, a road called Old Pool Road right now, and I actually grew up the majority of my life within ten miles of here. That's impressive. And it's a little town called Wendell. Okay. Um, yeah. I've not too terribly it. far. You have to drive through Nightdale to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where I kind of grew up. I'm single parent. Um, okay. Largely not my mother or my father. Both of them had their own things that they were chasing. Uh, my mother seemed to struggle with some anxi- some serious anxiety issues. Yeah. So she missed a good chunk of my life. Um, there, th- there are some things that I do share in the book that I don't share publicly out of respect for her. Yeah. I now, I have their blessing that. with the book. They, they actually wrote the epilogue, which is cool. So I had, I, It's funny because with the book, you get to see three stories. You don't realize it because you're just following mine until you get to the epilogue. It's cool. Um, sorry. Didn't mean tangent. But, no, that's fine. Um, 
Raised, but really raised by my grandmother till about the age of nine or ten. Um, she okay. developed brain cancer, um, smoking little skinny cigarettes, in my opinion. <laughs> Virginia Slims. Yeah, it's exactly what they were. Ironically, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I've, I've, so my my uh, just as a side note, my roots are in Pembroke. Okay. And uh, and my mom's Lumbee Indian. Nice. So, so I've, I've got, <laughs> I got I got roots in the in North Carolina go. soil and uh, there you in go. Virginia Slims. You got the. <laughs> sand in you. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I grew up here. Um, I actually used to walk. Uh, my family never had a whole lot. Um, mm. My dad struggled with handling his finances to yeah. a pretty substantial level. So when my grandmother passed away, I moved in with him and my then stepmother in a town called Fuquay, which isn't too terribly far from where yeah. we're at now. Yeah. And it's here 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, 10, 11. 10. Well, I'm 11 by the time that actually transpires. Okay. All right. Um, no, I am Tim. Come to think of it, no, good shot. <laughs> nice job. Nice yeah. guess. Um, he's in, you know he's 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 in a single wide trailer. He's at the corner of a cow pasture. So every morning you hear the, you know, yeah, um, you know, in the woods. Grew up playing a lot of, uh, I guess what they call Rambo in the woods. You know, guns yeah. and swinging and zip lines that broke. And it's a wonder I'm still alive. That's, that sounds awesome. Actually. Uh, it was totally cool. Because <laughs> you have this this uh, this laser gun called Photon. I think they changed it to something else, laser tag or something. That was we used to do that all the time, but. You know, I, at the age of 11, I went to work. Huh. Every weekend, every Saturday, every Sunday, every every half day of school, every holiday. Yeah. You know, my 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 father, one of the things, the, it, there's a lot of things that he struggled with. One of the things he instilled in probably is an insane work ethic. Yeah. Um, some would actually call it workaholism. My wife would definitely call it that. <laughs> um, at this point in time, I would work less if I could. Yeah. Um, but every time I look around the room, you see how I many people are running through oh, my, yeah, my office building. It's, it's, it's I, you know, I realized that with so many people that call CHE home, my construction company, I have a I have a responsibility to them. So when it came time for this other season, we'll talk about it in a little bit. I know yeah. how you want to do it. But, yeah. Um, I had to decide: do I serve myself or do I serve them? And um, fortunately, God gave me grace and allowed me to serve them so I can look at them in the eye and, and know their families are taken care of and stuff like that. And I've yeah. been fighting for them this entire time, so they don't know that, but that's okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, the, I guess, the uh, the blessing of the calling of the that's, leader. That's good. That's good. So, you know, it's been it's uh, been a lot of work I've no, been okay. in construction. So, 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 so get me th- – get because one of the things that I saw in your bio was mm-hmm. about, you know, that you were homeless. Oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah. which is – you know that's a long, long <laughs> shot from where you are today. But yeah. but, but just t- tell us like a little bit about that story. Like you know, yeah, from, sure. from growing up in kind of rural and, and yeah, you know. <laughs> so we we transitioned like I said, we transitioned to Fuquay, and I actually for the first time started doing pretty well in school. Okay. Um, I don't really know why. Um, maybe it was because I didn't have the stress of my dying grandmother that I was trying to take care of. Sure, sure. On a regular basis, but I actually started to thrive when we lived in Fuquay. Um, but we, re- we then relocated. My dad's business actually got pretty successful. Uh-huh. He was a uh, framing contractor. Yeah. So we moved back to Raleigh, moved into a house, um, the first house the family had owned, you know, yeah. nice house. Yeah. Um, for a season, the family had everything they ever wanted yeah. um, until we realized that uh, paying taxes was important. And then the government proceeded to take everything that my, my family had, um, which forced me and my brother and my dad back to Nightdale. To live in a single wide trailer that he was renting from his his boss at the time. Wow. Um, you know, you, you, and then the next thing that I remember is really high as school. a business owner. As a as a business owner, meaning that he, he was there was some. Well, his business ended up obviously failing to a degree because yeah. of, because of everything he went to. So he went back to work as a labor person. Yeah, sure. If you will, and 
you know, same kind of thing happened every, every holiday, every weekend. I was working with them, that kind of deal. Well, about the time uh, I turned 17, I was in my junior year of high school. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that I got disenchanted with school, but the pressures of not having provisions being met at home was just too much to bear. Hmm. So we didn't have our own car. So every time we wanted to go somewhere, my dad would either rent a car for the weekend and we could go to Golden Corral and eat all the Golden Corral we could do because yeah, that was sure. like a reward. Yeah. Uh, or he'd borrow somebody's, somebody else's car or we'd just be kind of stuck at home. Yeah. And which didn't, didn't really feel very good. Um, yeah, sure. You know, our lights were always getting shut off. Water was getting shut off on a regular basis, and wow. of course we'd pull strings. My dad would get payroll advances and all these kinds of things. These those payroll companies, yeah, stay sure. away from those things, um, which created a never-ending cycle of trying to get out of that. that yeah, because you just yeah. dig a debt hole and, and then it gets bigger and, and bigger, just bigger and bigger. Yeah, exactly. So and then you just get buried. And you know, and I, and I would watch the stress on him. It wasn't like my dad wasn't trying. He was doing the he was doing the best he could with the information he had. Yeah, with the technical know-how he had. And with his with his overall level of understanding and acceptance of how you would handle money, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, because he lacked training in that area, because most people lack training in that area, we suffered financially. My, my dad never actually came out and said it, but we would run into situations where you could tell that he felt like a failure. Yeah. And therefore, it projects projects that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I also believe that the um, uh, the the call him the devil, call him Lucifer, call him whatever you want, the evil one, the yeah. the advert the adversary, right? I also believe that he uses the very same thing that God is telling you that is truth, and he tells you that it's not that it's lie. It's almost like when he went to Eve and he said, "Did God really say?" Mm-hmm. You know, and how many times in our life did did do we say, "Did God really say I'm I'm called?" Did God really say I'm this? Yeah, kind of scenario. And and finally, in my seven in my junior year in high school, my grades were just were not great. They were yeah. good enough to pass. I could have went on to this in my senior year. But there was just something that finally broke in me, and I just kind of decided maybe, and maybe this is maybe this was one of the situations I messed up, or maybe it's one of the things that God used to build me, or both. Yeah. And that was I decided to drop out of high school. I was eighteen. Yeah. Um, and then go to work, and within about two months, I had uh, bought a car to buy here, pay here lot. Yeah. And began trying to rebuild my life, take care of my dad. And by the time I was seventeen and a half, I had already moved out and was on my own. Yeah. So I've been on my own since I was seventeen. Yeah. Well, fast forward a little further, and I go to want to um, – a buddy of mine, a couple actually, my cousin and my uh, buddy of mine named uh, TJ yeah. were both in the military. Yeah. Uh, one was in, Both of them were in the Navy, and they were bragging about how awesome it was because they were traveling all over the place. And, of course, they're 20, so they're yeah. – anything that they remember was probably foggy by this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they're bragging about it. <clears throat> and TJ's like, man, you're not – nothing's happening in Raleigh for you. Why don't you just join the, join the military <clears throat> and do like everybody else and escape to the military, right? Right. <clears throat> Um, so I'm like, man, I, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. Yeah. So I start the season where I, I, I go meet a recruiter. You know, they get me out of all my speeding tickets, which was awesome. They get me a yeah. DA and literally just you know, erase my records. Like the guy just tore it up and threw it in the trash can. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> the military. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I, but uh, then I, saw, I watched this video they had. And it was like the Navy SEALs coming up out of the water and on the, on the rafts. And I'm like, I'm like I want to do that. Yeah. And uh, I think I was uh, driven enough where they took me seriously. At the, at the at the enlistment the yeah. reserve center or whatever you call it, because they actually went out of limb and actually put me in touch with a uh, local frogman who had spent time as a the equivalent uh, not necessarily a Navy SEAL but equivalent of it in the in the Marine Corps hmm. who owned a local dive shop off of six off yeah. of Six Fort Road. So I go to start learning how to dive. I get in the best shape of my life. I'm learning how to do these underwater weird swims, swimming 50 meters underwater with one breath of air and feeling like you're going to die before you get in the air. 
That's a lot. Yeah, it's it's you know. So I was excited. I'm like, I'm ripped. I'm good because yeah. I was working out all the time yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. The endorphins were good. My serotonin was repaired. The depression kind of left. And I was yeah. like, I had all these hopes and dreams. Finally, I was gonna beat this theory, this uh, fear of failure. Yeah. Or this. Fear of failure or not failing, if that makes yeah. any sense. It's sort of like the legacy of <clears throat> yeah, kind of what your environment it is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I remember having, and ironically, in this in this good season, I remember saying, God, please let me be the guy that breaks the family curse. Yeah. And I actually used the word curse, and maybe that's a strong word, but you know, my entire life up to that point had only known poverty, struggle, yeah. and broken relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was my father, my mother, neither one of them were great with money. Both of them had difficult relationships. Yeah. Uh, both of them had things that they were facing. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them had their own adversity, things that kind of sh- help shape them and mold yeah. them and yeah. and whatnot. And I was like, let me be this guy, right? Well, it, it didn't occur to me that I put my entire identity, my entire self into the desire to join the military, to become a Navy SEAL and all this kind yeah. of stuff. So I go to MEPS. Yeah. And while I'm in MEPS, I, I find out that my ASVAB score, because I had a GED, yeah, I had to score yeah. higher than a diploma, yeah. um, was with a few points away. And what do you say? Okay, well, I'll just take the ASVAB again. No big deal. Well, in this case, uh, it turns out I have scoliosis at the top of my neck. So I would actually be a full inch taller, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm vertically challenged, by the way. So that's like <laughs> that's an important inch for me. I would actually go from five foot five to five six. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they told me that uh, because of they saw that as a medical reason that I wouldn't be able to continue, not even just to the SEALs, but into the military in general. Oh, boy. And that... I had sold off all my belongings. I sold my car. I literally had a duffel bag with a red Timberland t-shirt, this little device that had headphones on it, but you put a CD in it called a Walkman, (laughs) right? I had one of those. Um, I had a pair of white white tennis shoes, basically a duffel bag and one change of clothes. Well, this guy that kind of walks in looks like Tom. Ironically, looks like kind of Tom Cruise, which is was weird. Uh, no mustache. Yeah. But um, walks in, sits me down, and kind of doesn't not friendly, not the, just hey, you're not going to join. We need you to leave. Essentially, is what he said. Not exact words, but it was kind of like that cold. Right. And here I am, this kid who's known nothing but failure, struggle, grief, anxiety, all this kind of stuff that's been wrapped up in his life. Yeah. I have. I finally have this immense amount of hope. Right, but this time I'm still a professing atheist in this moment in time. Um, fast forward through that, I leave. The, I leave maps, go out the door, and finally the the waterworks start happening. Yeah. And I share this from stage, and a lot of times I'll actually get lost in the story because I'll start to feel it and sense it again. Yeah, sure. Um, but maps here in Raleigh is off of a road called um, uh, I forgot the name of the road. It's off of, but it's it's parallel to 440 in Capitol Boulevard. Yeah. It literally sits parallel. I don't. I can't tell you today if it was ten minutes, an hour, or five hours that I walk from MEP station up to the bridge at 440 and Capitol Boulevard. Because you didn't have a car. Oh, well, I didn't have a car. Yeah. Um, I did have a cell phone. It was a broken Nokia 5160 that my <laughs> grandmother bought me to tell to call her and tell her when I got to basically a boot camp. I was supposed to go to Michigan. Um, so that was the beginning of the buy here pay here phones kind of scenario yeah, where you yeah. could buy minutes. Yeah. So you didn't have the card. It was the phone actually somehow you bought minutes yeah. on the phone. And um, I remember, I remember, I'll never forget the walk because I couldn't stop weeping, and I mean weeping. Yeah. Because I literally had this voice on what felt like in my left ear, my left shoulder, and I say this from stage all the time, that felt like it was just taunting me. Yeah. I told you to always be a failure. I told you don't measure up. I told you. I told you. You're always going to be broke. No one knows you. No one loves you. No one cares. Hmm. No one has any of that stuff. You don't have any of that stuff. Hmm. You should just get rid of yourself. You just end it. You don't. There's nothing to live for. And 
I kid you not, that voice got louder and louder on the left-hand side, but there was a whisper on my right. And it would just say, and all it would say in, in, in the brief time is, he's lying. And that's it. And it kept repeating. Every time he would yell, it would whisper, he's lying. All the way to the point where I get to the corner of the bridge. Um, so you're from this area. So Capitol Boulevard um, kind of crosses over a major yeah. road for us called 440. Yeah. Well, and I was line. aiming towards <laughs> falls in this road. Um, I kid you not, there's a tubular rail. It's about this big around, hmm. about uh, eight, nine inches around, cold, to the, to when you, especially when you sit on it. I kicked off my shoes, and I went to sit on the rail. Um, I was about to go ahead and proceed with taking my life. And only to be stopped by the whisper. And the whisper says, you don't have to do this. There's people that, will, that are going to miss you. And, of course, the, the other voice is saying, nope, there's nobody's going to miss you, yelling. So why is it God can whisper and the other voice has to yell to get your – it's, it's weird. It is God weird. never yells. He always whispers. He, it's always an urging. It's always quiet. It's always small. It's always a small – they call it a small, still voice, right? Yeah. And it's always at that pace. But it's mm. always clear. It's always concise. And it's always matter of fact. Yeah. You know? And I remember having this, this kind of internal battle. And then the voice in, uh, <laughs> if you will, on my right, it's kind of said, at least call people and tell them you're, you're leaving. Or tell them you love them. So I picked up the Nokia 5160 phone out of the bag, and I started dialing numbers. Doot, 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 doot. Pick up the phone. Ring. 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 No answer. Like, All right. No voicemail. Click. End it. Every time I would, every time I would dial a number and no one would pick up, that voice would on the left would say, "I told you." Yeah, I told you. All the way to the point at the fourth, at the fourth, uh, fourth phone call, the last phone call. Literally, I was getting ready to just go ahead and just, I was literally waiting for a truck, an eighteen wheeler truck, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to like suffer, feel it. I didn't want to just fall and break my leg. I was like, I'm just done. The fifth phone call answered a woman that uh, I called Mama Wama. I kid you not, I'm sitting on this bridge. She answers the phone. She has an old raspy cigarette voice. And she's like trying to get her, she's trying to convince me to tell her where I'm at. And of course, I'm refusing. Um, she's trying to convince me to tell her why I'm calling. And of course, I'm refusing. I'm like, I'm just calling to tell you I love you. She's, and she used some different words, but she's basically said BS. Um, she said, why, if you're, I can tell you're mo- or crying, I can tell you're weeping. What is going on? Where are you? I'm coming to get you right now. And keep in mind, I haven't talked to her in a couple of years. Hmm. Uh, she had kept tabs on me apparently because she knew I was trying to go into the Navy at the time. Yeah. And she's like, I thought you were going to the Navy today. You know, so I'm like, how'd you know that? You know, kind of scenario. But long story short is I get to this point where she's, she is almost whispering in my right ear hmm. on the phone. And she, and I remember she, she says, and she's yelling and she's, she's whispering. She says, Stephen, I'm telling you right now, tell me where you're at. You got to, I'm coming to get you. I said, no, I'm fine. She goes, you're not fine. Tell me where you're at. Hmm. And that could have went on for 10 minutes or an hour. I don't know. I don't remember directly. I just remember it being a a very powerful moment for me. And when she finally realized I wouldn't tell her where I was at, she actually went ahead and and took the time to share with me what she thought um, would be a defining moment for me. And it turned out it was. What I didn't know was that she was going to be prophetic. Hmm. Um, And she didn't get to know the Lord until, until 2012, right before she passed away. You know, she was one of those people. I'll just live. I'll live my life right. If I live my life right, it's yeah, right. take care of itself, yeah, kind of sure. thing. And um, she says, Stephen, I want you to repeat after me, almost like in the same tone of my own. She says, I want you to repeat after me. I'm like, 
you know, what? Like, yeah, what, whatever, what is it? Yeah. She goes, this too shall pass, and what comes next will be greater. That is and I was And I was dumbfounded because she never added that last piece to it before. You know, she, she, when I broke up with her daughter, it was this too shall pass. Hmm. She goes, and actually it wasn't this, it was these. She goes, remember these two shall pass. She's trying to help me overcome the relationship. In this instance, she's trying to help me overcome what could be essentially imminent death. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and, um, and I said, well, this too shall pass. What comes next to be greater? And she says, no, say it louder. And then, of course, I repeated it again. She goes, louder. So this too shall pass. And what comes next to be greater? Louder. This too shall pass. And what comes next wow. to be greater? And she's like, all right. Do you understand me now? I mean, she's like yelling at me. Do you understand me? You are not giving up. You are not going anywhere. I will come and beat your butt. And she's using different words, of course. And, um, you know, it, it was one of the situations where I was, fa- I was, she was the crowbar. Yeah. That God was using to shake me. Yeah. Because it's, it's not that his whispers weren't working. It was one of the situations where he needed to add a little more leverage, which he does from time to time in life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sure enough, uh, she said, all right, well, I'm at, now I need you to promise me you're going to call me tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. She instinctively knew what I was going to do. Yeah, she knew. I never, I never had to say a word. Yeah. And uh, with some convincing, I said, all right, I'll call you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. She got me off the bridge. She was the only person on the planet I would have kept a promise to. That's God. Only person. That's God. Yep, I agree with that. And uh, so for the next several weeks and, and months, and I was sleeping on couches and cars and wherever I could to kind of get myself situated. And yeah. um, lo and behold, my brother, uh, who was living in a mobile home yeah. that I technically owned, but I couldn't afford, he took over payments and then kicked me out of it. Such <laughs> <laughs> <bet> a <your> brother. <laughs> well, I was, I was in a crappy relationship. He didn't like the person I was with, so that was his <laughs> leverage, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, he offered to let me, he offered to let me uh, clean a litter box for 50 bucks. And I hadn't had money in I don't know how long. Um, I actually stayed at my dad's house the night before, which was a few trailers down from yeah. his. Uh, I walk up the seven or eight concrete steps, and literally the, the smell of ammonia hits me at the front door. Yeah. Walk, hey, yeah. walk through the door, <clears throat> walk towards down the kitchen, green, green carpet on the floor, blue wallpaper in the kitchen, laundry room on the right, walking through the single door. And of course, I'm, the smells just get worse and worse. To the master bedroom, open the double doors in the bedroom. To the bat to the bathroom, and there it was, the litter box, right? You know how you're supposed to clean a litter box every now and again. My brother's idea of cleaning a litter box was a little different, and that was the fact that he just put more sand on top of it. So what? What happened was? Oh my god! It was one one oh, huge god, so mountain. Oh yeah, huge mountain like it looked like an ice cream cone. I've never seen anything like it, and I'm like. How did you even do that without spilling it? Like it's like a, a kid had sat there and tried to build a sandcastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it's full of all kinds of Tootsie Rolls and Reese's cups and other yeah. things. And yeah. I look at that thing and I, my my initial thought, and maybe this is funny, but I need I was like I need more money. <laughs> like if I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Um, so I, I I you know I did what you do. I grabbed the scooper. I grabbed the trash bag and I, I knelt down to start going to town. Start throwing the yeah. cat litter yeah. there. And I'm probably doing it for probably 10 or 15 minutes. I got the bag about a quarter full. And I'm not talking about a Target bag. I'm talking about a trash bag. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's nasty. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I'm starting to get a little frustrated. I'm like, is this, is, this, is this what my life has come down to, cleaning up cat crap? Yeah. Right? My, I'm still a failure in my mind. I'm still a failure. Yeah. I'm still unredeemable. I don't know God. Yeah. So 
I'm getting more and more frustrated as I'm cleaning this stuff. And so I move, move a little faster, a little quicker. Yeah. And I don't know what I hit at the bottom of or in the middle of that uh, litter box, but it snapped the handle off the scooper. Mm-hmm. So now I'm livid. Um, I'm cussing. I'm fussing. I'm yelling. I'm angry. Because um, now I have to put my thumb in the back of the scooper uh. and proceed to scoop it because I need the 50 bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, 50 bucks for, you know, in the like 97 was like, you know, a good week's worth of you could yeah. you could make you can make you could stretch it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ramen noodles. Yeah. Little, I could live off this. Yeah. A little yeah, banana yeah. pudding, you know, and um, so I put my hand in it. And of course, now I'm getting really angry and I'm just like scooping it as quick as I could. I got the bag about three quarters of the way full and then I'm moving so fast. The corner of the scooper caught the corner of the bag and everything went everywhere. Everywhere. It's <laughs> going from bad to worse. Uh, worse is not the worse is not the word for it. But I'll tell. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, people ask me all the time um, when when Jesus showed up for me, like when I had my vision. I said, "You're not gonna believe this." When I was cleaning up cat crap, <laughs> I was emptying a litter box, and Jesus Himself. Um, I didn't physically see Him, but I I I felt Him like I. Like a person. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I felt that before. I um, I remember I I caught the corner of the bag. I stood up and I began yelling at the ceiling. So now I'm yelling at a God that I don't believe in. Right. Right. Quote quote. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who say you don't believe, yeah, we'll see about that one. Yeah. Um, I'm yelling at the ceiling. I'm going to town on it. Um, I'm throwing every verbal hurt, every verbal insult, anything. If you're so God, why don't yeah. you do this? If you're so good, da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're so awesome, how come I suck? And if I'm your child and you love me, how come this? Because my grandfather, I told you yeah. uh, before we kind of went on air, was one of those guys that had been calling me soul winner since I was literally an infant, right? Yeah. Over and over again, even through the atheism, even through all that stuff. He's like, you're still a soul winner. You'll see. You're soul winner. You're soul winner. Oh, You're soul winner. That is that is so. Perfect. You know, I, I love that. You know, and that's uh, that's God. God defines us early. Oh, I, no, clearly. That well, that shows to redefine. That us, shows God defines us early. That shows how well He knits you together while in the womb. Yeah, God defines your purpose us early. is already it's already there, right? Yeah. So I'm going through the scenario. I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, and the interesting thing happened is the more I fought, the stronger He got, and the weaker I got. I one of the things I realized in that moment was one of my biggest hurdles in knowing him was actually me. Yeah. It was the ego. It was edging God out. It was me not wanting to be God because if, if if I acknowledged he was God, then I had to acknowledge the fact that I'd screwed up so much. Yeah. So you were afraid of looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking. And I'll never forget this. For as long as I live, I, I don't always share this part of it because sometimes when I share the story, people are like, dude, it's a great story, but... I totally didn't happen. <laughs> you looking in my eyes, you'll know that I'm telling the truth. But uh, I remember yelling, one of the final things that I said is that if you are God, prove it. I kid you not, my knees collapsed under my feet, buckled to the floor together, on the floor, and I could not move. <laughs> I love it. It was like somebody had taken handcuffs and bolted my legs to the floor. And I tried to get up, and all my might, and all my strength, and nothing. So what do you do in that moment? I love that. A sentence like that, you challenge God, which obviously Jesus said don't do, but hey. Yeah. I'm I'm one of his best uh, learning students. Yeah. I get sent a timeout from time to time. 
Um, and what do you do? You have a two, you have you have two choices. Hmm. You either sit there on the floor stuck, or you finally surrender. Hmm. And I began to weep, like it, I cannot even explain. It, it far surpassed what it was on the what it was on the bridge, but it wasn't it wasn't the same as the bridge. The bridge was all about me. The litter box was all about what I did to him. What I realize is when we when we treat ourselves badly, one of the reasons that sin is so dangerous and it's so painful yeah. is because it poisons us, not because it poisons Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus loves us so much, the reason he hates sin is because he hates the fact that we poison ourselves. Mm. That's a great, I mean, that's, let, let that sink in. That is a massive amount of love, yeah. right? Yeah. So here I am, I'm pinned to the floor, and I finally say, all right, you win. You're obviously real. <laughs> I can't see you, but I can feel you. And it fe- I literally felt like um, I was in a, um, you know those car things that crush cars? Yeah. I literally felt like my whole body was in a vice. Wow. All at the same time. Um, but it wasn't tight enough to hurt me, but it was tight enough to like give me like the, the strongest embrace you could give a human being. Mm-hmm. God, God gave you a bear hug. Yeah, exactly. You never seen the like in the movies. You you, you see this 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 uh, wife or husband and they're they're mad at the world and the, and they they go to their spouse and all of a sudden there's this embrace and they're trying to break free from the embrace because they don't want to feel the love and, right, right. And all of a sudden they finally collapse into that love. Yeah. That's basically what was going on. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget this. Um. He said, "Are you are you ready?" I'm like, "Ready for what?" Yeah. He's like, are you ready? Are you, sur- are you really surrendered? Are you ready? Are you ready to just give it in, give it up? I promise you I can do more with your life than you can do with it. I promise you. And I'd like, all right. And at that time, I had, the, I had a relationship that had become like an idol. Part of the reason I became homeless, part of the reason I got evicted and kicked out and didn't have much. Was it? Was a girl. Was a, was a girl, right? <laughs> uh, the relationship was incredibly physical, and of course, as a young 19, 20 yeah, something, you're you're, yeah, you're an idiot. Um, you don't know what the testosterone does. Um, and he, he kind of showed me like this image in my head, almost like the easiest way to say it in words is like, if you'll give her up, I'll take care of the rest kind of scenario. Yeah. So he shows me an image in my mind of her face with an X across it. Mm hmm. And and basically says, "Are you ready?" Kind of like this this split yeah, second image. You knew what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I laid it down. I said, "If you'll if you'll take over from here, I'll never again." So so I there'll be another time for my my story. But severe mercy mm-hmm. that's the word that comes to mind. Mm, severe and, mercy. And I love that. people. Um, People resist severe mercy. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, God forbid this person ever ends up in jail. Mm-hmm. That's right. It may be the absolute best thing. thing. There, is a, there is a sense, that, especially for men, I think, there's a sense that the Lord will deal with us almost severely, mm-hmm. lovingly, mm-hmm. gently, like he was at the bridge, mm-hmm. very loving and gentle. But then, <laughs> right? The litter box wasn't so gentle. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but then it's just like, all right. It's severe mercy, and yeah. it can be very severe. Yeah. But it's sometimes it's the jolt that men need oh, to be like, to be like, okay, we're not just pussyfooting around, yeah. and you're not just like mama. Yeah, you're like God. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I'm glad you brought that up. God, like so, you, you the, yeah. 
Yeah, my wife and I love this uh, show called Victoria. It's on it's on PBC or PBS or one of those shows. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about Queen Victoria. Okay. And at the beginning of the show, it's, it's this song called Hallelujah. And it just says that over and over again. Yeah. Um, but one of the things, one of the themes in there is the sovereignty of the queen. Like she's not involved in every single action or everything that everybody does, but in that entity, she's sovereign. Hmm. And what I what I know about God more than anything else is that He's sovereign. Hmm. He owns it. Yep. He owns space. He owns time. He owns light. He owns sound. He owns water, earth, fire. He yeah. owns it all. Yeah. He controls it all. He uses it when he wants to, but he's never. I've never seen him intentionally use it to harm. Even if somebody dies in an earthquake or a, a natural disaster, yeah. somebody else typically is responding. Yeah. It it sometimes a crush of the spirit that is that is that pressure that causes the diamond. Yeah. You know, and that was that moment for me. And I remember I remember this almost vividly. He he said, basically, if you'll leave this alone, I will bless you. And when he said I will bless you, I mean, I'm thinking, cool, I might get a job. Right. Right. And then and the next day, I I technically did have a job. I went to work with my dad. Started doing framing labor. So there, there is a, something called the top line and bottom line of mm-hmm. the Abrahamic covenant. That mm-hmm. sounds so religious, but it's basically when Abraham, God said to Abraham, mm-hmm. "I will bless you, mm-hmm. so that you can be a blessing," mm-hmm. and that's the bottom line. Yep. And Amen. your life is a evidence of what promise He made to Abraham. Mm-hmm. He made to you. Amen. Which was He's going to bless you, and it's and it's all for you, and it's all for Him. And He and also it's gave all me the, for everyone. He gave else. me the promise. He gave me the same promise at the bridge. So I haven't shared that. I think I shared with this before we went on air, but I've had numerous people come to me before, uh, six or seven people now. Yeah. Say the exact same thing. This is what God's going to do with you. Yeah. This is how He's going to use you. This is what He did. Um. In that moment at the time at the litter box, I was able to get up. I went back to work Monday morning with my dad. First time I've been at a job. By Friday, I kid you not, I'm sleeping in a car or I'm on a couch or hanging out with my dad from time to time or whatever. I'm still in that environment. On Friday, a man that I, Steve Mark, I actually betrayed him the year before mm. unintentionally because of the relationship um, with no tools, no money, no credit. My credit was shot. Um, with a handshake and a smile... I kid you not, between God and Steve Mark, they started the company that you're actually sitting in the office in right now. That same week. Seven days. Seven days from the litter box to the foundation of the company you're sitting in right now. And just, okay, we're going to take a break. Yeah. But just as a, a high level, because we were talking about before the break, the company that you're sitting in right now, how, mm-hmm. how long has it been around and how much revenue is it? This, this year, we'll celebrate 20 years in business. So 2018, December 20th. Which is a important date. The day I got married and everything else, which I didn't stumble into later, uh, is uh, 20 years in business now, as of as of right yeah. now. And uh, we closed out 2017 in a, almost 41 million dollars in top line revenue. Okay, so we're gonna take a break there, <laughs> and that's what God can do. Oh, he's just getting started. <laughs> if you'd like to know more about Stephen Scoggins, go to www.journeyprinciples.com. He's got some great material there for you to improve your life. Check it out. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you were encouraged. If you would like more information about The Kindling Fire, just go to thekindlingfire.com. You know, the podcast is only one-fourth of all the cool stuff we've got going on. Uh, We have a seven-day devotional called Become a Sign and a Wonder. It's a video devotional that I send directly to your phone through Facebook Messenger. Uh, You can find out information about that at thekindlingfire.com slash wonder. Uh, Also, guests that come on the show are blogging every single week that I get to deliver directly to your inbox or through Facebook Messenger. Go to the website. You can find more information there and the blog. And the last thing we have is for entrepreneurs or anybody else that is starting something. uh, It's called the 30-Day Firestarter Challenge. Uh, There you can you'll get 30 second videos for 30 days of inspirational quotes and scriptures that will really help get your fire started as you are trying to create and start something um, in your life. Thank you so much and be awesome.